You're listening to a podcast of Spurious Morality. And welcome to a podcast of Spurious Morality. I'm Johnston and I'm joined by Connor this week. Hello, Connor. Hello. And it's the end of January, which means we're going to talk about Big Finish's January releases. Um, quite a lot of which I really enjoyed this month. Um, it's It's been a bit of an experimental month, I think. We've had some very different stuff. We've had two Torchwood releases, a two-parter, uh, which was spread out across the month. We've had perhaps the most interesting audio novel yet. Uh, we've had a weird, wonderful, very different, very brilliant River Song set um, amongst a few other things. So we've, we've got some good stuff to talk about this week, uh, this month. Yeah, it has It has been a really, really strong start to the year. Um, i I remember you know when we when we did December's releases and said how good uh, they were. I'm, I'm I'm really glad that that momentum has been kept up into the new year. Yeah, because December was just insanely good. It was it was you know it was one of the best months we've ever had from Big Finish. I would argue, um, just consistently excellent releases, uh, and yeah, I think we have had that here too. Um, go on, then. Just to start, nice and quick. What's been your favourite of the month? Oh, there's no contest. River Song. Um, for reasons that I'm sure we'll talk about later. Um, it was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, I'm hundred percent in agreement there. It's like I say, it's been a strong month. I've really enjoyed what I've listened to, but um, River Song was something particularly special. And remember when it was first announced, we talked about how excited we were for sort of the idea and the fact that it was one story under one writer and all that kind of thing and it's it's absolutely paid off um we'll get to river song later then we'll save it till later we'll save the good bit till the end and meanwhile for now we will go into um well first of all we'll go into the spoiler warning believe it or not we're talking about january releases from big finish so the dead star torchwood double the eighth doctor time war cast Class Secret Diary of a Rodian Prince, and of course, Adventures, uh, the diary of even River Song. Um, so we'll go to the Dead Star first, which was the latest audio novel. Um, one thing that sort of struck me about this was something I heard at the very, very end of it. Uh, in the extras, they talked to Kate Orman, who wrote it. And Kate Orman pointed out that this was her first Doctor Who in 20 years. That's mad. 
how how has somebody as brilliant as Kate Orman been away from Doctor Who for 20 years? It's, it's insane. Um, what a return, though. I really, really enjoyed Dead Star. It's one of my favourite TARDIS teams, uh, favourite eras. The Second Doctor, Polly and Ben. It's very early days for the Second Doctor. There's still a bit of debate in there about whether, you know, is this the Doctor? Can we trust him? Those sort of lingering thoughts that uh, were there in The Power of the Daleks are still there. Um, it's kind of two stories in one. We have the first story set in a sort of the late 60s, it was a couple of years into the future after Polly and Ben left, and Polly and Ben are both undercover. Um, lots of intrigue going on with scientists and a bit of a mystery to be solved. Uh, but then halfway through, the action switches and they go into the future. And uh, it's, I have to admit, didn't enjoy the second bit as much as the first bit. Not to say that it was bad, it's just that the first bit was so excellent. Um, it was, it, it just felt a little bit of a dip to sort of suddenly, fairly suddenly change location. But it was well handled in the story, it was necessary for the story. And uh, it certainly led it down an interesting route that we wouldn't have had before. Um, I'd recommend this to anybody that hasn't done an audio novel yet. I think the big sort of fan-pleasing one would probably be Scourge of the Cybermen, but this one is uh, this one is sort of more slow-paced and it makes you think a little bit more. Uh, it, it's, it's deeper who, let's say deeper who. Um, but yeah, it, it's just so wonderful to spend time with uh, these characters. Michael Troughton is an excellent narrator uh, obviously Michael Troughton is the second doctor at Big Finish now so we kind of get a little bit more of his second doctor and we've not had much so far just the Annihilators and the set that came out last year so this is definitely something to enjoy and every time I hear Michael Troughton in his dad's role I just kind of think he gets a little bit better at it and I enjoy listening to it a little bit more I'm a little bit behind the times as far as the audio novels go, so I haven't got to the Dead Star just yet. Um, I will at some point. Um, I, 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 um, I'm still making my way through Watchers, but I'm enjoying that as a sort of slow burn, um, picking it up every now and then sort of um, listen. But I, I love that they're doing them. It's, it's definitely a, a change for Big Finish. I know they had done audiobooks in the form of the short trips, you know, for, for years in advance of this, but this... Um, you know, the, the, the audio novels are a little bit media, they're a little bit more um, substantial. And um, as you say, um, you know, um, you know, when you were talking about Michael Troughton's narrating, I don't think they've put a foot wrong yet from what I've heard of them in, in picking who they choose or, or in, in picking who they, they have to, to read them. Um, I, think, I think they've made some excellent choices in terms of narrators so far. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I did... Really enjoy uh, John Culshaw. I've already mentioned Scourge of the Cybermen, and that was just that was brilliant. He was absolutely the right person to be doing the Third Doctor in that era. Um, but yeah, Michael Troughton here, different kind of narrator. But the fact that you had the voice of the Second Doctor reading the story, I thought it did sort of really help. It was really effective. Um, so yeah, one two. One to get hold of if you haven't already. May not be the best introduction to the audio novels range, but perhaps it's it's the one with the most to it. 
Um, and of course, you know, you mentioned watches, which you're going through at the minute, Connor. Uh, quite a few podcasters did say it was their their favourite or one of their favourite releases uh, last year when we did the end of year one. So the audio novels are definitely doing something right, I think. We shall shift onwards, onwards and upwards. Um, and we're, we're going to talk about two releases in one go, which I don't think we've ever done before. Um, but it's it's the Torchwood two-parter, it's double. Um, and we have had part one and part two this month. We have part one at the start, we have part two um, a few days back. We're only recording was it three, four days after it came out. Um, what did you think, Connor? What did you think of double? I really liked it. Um, so I, I think I've said before, I don't dip into the Torchwood main range too often, um, which is something I, I, I am, I'm, you know, aiming to correct this year. Um, but I, I'm, I'm a slightly pathetic sort of fan that when I see an Auton, um, I need it. <laughs> when I see an Auton and something, I, I, I have to go for it. So um, that was part of uh, you know, the Autons being in this and, and, you know, getting a wee bit of a Torchwood Doctor Who crossover was part of the reason why I was excited. But the other reason was um, that they, was that this is uh, kicking off, you know, a new line of stories, I hope, with um, a new Torchwood team in the 1970s. Um, and, that, you know, the last time this happened, we did Torchwood in the 50s and we got Torchwood Soho out of it. I would love something similar to come out of this with... Um, Robert and Neil and uh, Cornwell, you know, uh, the, the three of them are sort of set up as this new team at the very end. But it, it works really, really well. The Autons are sort of, uh, they're, they're really well suited to um, the period that this is, not just because they are villains from, you know, the 1970s era of Doctor Who, but because it's sort of sped, set up as a, a sort of spy thriller. Um Sort of, sort of story, and the Autons work perfectly in that they're sort of based around inf- infiltration and deception, and it's a perfect fit. Um, and this takes them as well to new... It uses them in, in a slightly darker way than Doctor Who would. Um, you know, it's not just a case of them smashing their way out of a shop window and starting to shoot passers-by here. They're a little bit more subtle. They're a little bit more cruel, and and um, it's there's there's a scene in the second part where you get someone being tortured by the Autons, um, in a way that I don't think Doctor Who ever could or should go, um, in in that regard. But it works really, really well for Torchwood, and it's nice to get that sort of spin on a classic Doctor Who monster. In a way, only Torchwood could. Um, so I really, really like that. I um, yeah, I was going to mention that torture scene. I just thought it was utterly brilliant. Like really, really, really dark. It's some of the darkest material we've had from audio Torchwood at all. I think Torchwood in general. Um, just yeah, really sort of disturbing stuff and really well played. Um. I did like an awful lot how it used kind of the concept that the Autons duplicate people, um, which is kind of something that gets ignored a little bit. A lot of the time, it's not so much Auton duplicates, it's just, oh, this person is an Auton. But these, in this, they're using sort of the idea of duplicating people to infiltrate, as you said, which 
really we only saw in um, in Spearhead from Space. I guess we've got kind of comedy out on Mickey and Rose, but it's not quite the same thing. Um, and yeah, I, I thought it was just, it really, really helped and it was a really great way to use them. Something that was there in the DNA from the very first appearance that's kind of been used probably the best way we've ever seen. Yes, and we're left in this slightly odd situation at the end where, isn't there something in this that about Torchwood at the beginning, that Roberta is the only member of, of Torchwood left? Um, that it has sort of the you know she has been, you know, set to run the agency as a sort of punishment, but she's the only operative, and then you know we end up with her and Nayland and Cornwell at the end. So it, we're left in the slightly old position where two out of the three active Torchwood members in this time period are autons. They're auton duplicates, and I like that they keep their memories. I like that they don't necessarily consider themselves the originals, but they're their own. They themselves are their own individuals, um, with you know Roberta and Neil's memories. Yeah, um, I I like that. I just I I I do wonder whether it was necessary to have them both go down that line because Roberta's a complex enough character already. Um, you know Neil becoming an auton is his complexity, as it were. He's not. Whenever he's introduced, he's he's a, a rather timid sort of character. But then whenever his mind is, or whenever he's duplicated and becomes the Auton, he almost comes out of a shell a little bit um, and, and takes a slightly more active role in things. So I like that for him. I don't think it was maybe so necessary with Roberta, but I'm, I'm definitely up for seeing where it goes. I'm definitely up for hearing more um, of, the, of, of, of these characters. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally up for, uh, for more 70s Torchwood. We've got 50s Torchwood. It's really well established. I think 70s is another sort of really fascinating one to look at. And this, as a proof of concept, absolutely worked. Um, my one tiny niggle with it, and it's not really a niggle, it's just it's just more of a me thing maybe, but uh, Louise Jameson was excellent as Roberta, but it's Louise Jameson's voice, and we've heard so much tit at Big Finish, it's very difficult to kind of accept her as a character that's not Leela, particularly in the Hooniverse. I know, you know, she's appeared in um Attergirl and she's appeared in uh, Shilling and Sixpence. But yeah, just hearing that voice in the Hooniverse, it was quite difficult to disconnect it from from being Leela and the whole time I was kind of there going, It is, it's Louise Jameson. Um, I, I- I did wonder at one stage because I, I, I think it was halfway through part two when I realised, you know, I had that same you know, sort of epiphany, like, this is very strange. It's Louise Jameson in the Doctor Who universe not playing Layla. But I was, I suddenly asked myself, because she's not on the cover, are we meant to envisage 1970s Louise Jameson or are we meant to envisage her as she is now? I don't think it matters very much. But it was just something that was that was sticking out in my head, like, what does Roberta actually look like? Yeah, maybe sort of having some kind of hint on the cover would have helped. But I think to the point, like, you know, this kind of kind of affected me to the point where actually I couldn't remember Roberta's name after the end of the first episode. It was just Louise Jameson's character, um, which obviously I've, I've, I've remembered it's Roberta now. But yeah, that was just it was just a funny little thing. Um, I'm all for them reusing established cast members and all that kind of thing. But 
yeah, on this one, it just took a little while to get used to, um, which is, you know, no problem with the performance or the writing or anything like that. Just a simple case of it's a very, very familiar voice to me as a regular Big Finish listener. Yeah, I do quite like it because it's part of a little bit of a trend they've had going on recently um, where we had Maureen O'Brien in the Ninth Doctor Adventures. We had Katie Manning in the Second Doctor Adventures. Um, and I, 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 I like it. It's giving them something else to do. It's giving these actors a little bit of variety and letting them stretch their legs or you know their acting legs in a way that... Um, you know, Vicky maybe doesn't always allow Maureen O'Brien to, or, or, or Joe maybe doesn't always allow Katie Manning to. Um, I think for Louise Jameson in particular, she, maybe more than any other Doctor Who companion, has been a wee bit of a creative powerhouse at Big Finish. You know, she writes, she directs, she produced Atta Girl. You know, I, I, I like that they're giving them these opportunities. Um, and it's certainly something I'd like to see more of, or, you know, for this for this trend to continue. Yeah, absolutely. It, I mean, it, it didn't even really sort of impede my enjoyment at all. It was just a thing I noticed, I guess. But of course you're going to notice it. It's Louise Jameson in a Hooniverse release. Um, but yeah, uh, both episodes of Double, very enjoyable. I would say if I was pushed that I perhaps enjoyed part two a bit more than part one. Uh, it did something quite different, though. The first one was a bit more espionage-based, where the second one had more of a strong focus on the Autons, I guess. Um, and before we move on, I'm just going to mention the use of the sort of Autons theme from Terror of the Autons, the bit of music that's probably best known for when um, the man's eaten by the plastic chair in Terror. That was used throughout both parts brilliantly. Uh, slightly modernised, slightly more creepy, an excellent, excellent use of a great piece of music, a great fifty-year-old piece of music. I, 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 I did notice that as well. I, I love that it's there because um, it's not very often that we get an actual theme from you know the TV series um, in 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 any of the Doctor Who stuff. I know. I think they do sometimes turn up in you know the Torchwood audios, but it's it's not often that happens with Doctor Who music and i'm 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 all for it there's a really good clip out there on youtube um which is the end of the first season of ninth doctor stuff it's the last scene between the doctor and the brigadier um where they say goodbye in the alleyway um and it has been rescored with some of murray gold's music and it really lifts the scene um i listened back to it and i don't think it actually has a soundtrack on um on the big finish version but someone has set it to the Brigadier's theme from Matt Smith's time. It turns up a couple of times um, that, that there was a theme for the Brigadier um, and the memory of the Brigadier, and it's, it, it works really, really well. I, I would like to hear a little bit more um, of that as well. I know I know, there's obviously rights reasons why they can't, but it, it, would, be, it would be really nice if they could. Yeah, absolutely. Um... But meanwhile, I'm, I am happy with what we're getting music-wise from Big Finish. I think there's been some really notably good stuff in the uh, not-too-distant past, but this Torchwood Double is just another example of that. Let's shift ourselves on uh, to the Eighth Doctor. Um, 
The Eighth Doctor in the Time War has returned after quite a huge gap. Has it been two, two and a half years, something like that? Yeah, it was a really, really long time, and I, I was starting to get a little bit impatient because it had had that cliffhanger ending, which we're now thankfully getting followed up on. Yes, um, although did it follow up on that ending, or did it just kind of go, right, we're here now? And, <laughs> <laughs> and that it, That is true. I yeah. do... I, I do like that we're getting the follow up. I I I um I'm actually really glad to hear uh, Alex back again because he didn't have very much in his original go. When I, I whenever you listen to the Eighth Doctor Adventures again, you can't really talk about Alex here without talking about what happened to him. You know, he always felt slightly underserved in that he was there for a very short time and then gets very brutally and very unceremoniously killed off. Um, so I, I, I do enjoy that the character's back. I don't think this maybe uses it to the best effect where it gets mentioned maybe in passing that he was, was, was killed off originally, but there's not a huge amount there in terms of how the doctor's dealing with that. You know, it, when you're listening to this, it's like Alex is just another companion. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think the fact that this version of Alex, because it's not the original Alex, obviously the original Alex died. This is a alternative universe version. Um, we didn't get any kind of introduction there. At the end of the last set, it was, oh, look, Alex is here without any kind of dialogue or input. It was literally just, oh, look, Alex and that was the cliffhanger, and then in this, Alex is an established companion, knows that the Doctor is his great-granddad, but that's about it, really. Um, and, I, yeah, I just sort of think that maybe I'd have liked to have had that scene where the Doctor kind of awakens Alex and, you know, does does Alex recognise him? Does he not? Does the It feels like a lot of that character was kind of taken away and the choice to just jump straight in um, may have been a little detrimental. At the same time, though, I thought it was an excellent performance. I'm really glad the character's back. I'm really glad the character's getting some proper time with the Doctor. We're really getting to kind of establish what an Alex and the Doctor partnership would have been like, I guess. Um, and it, it did definitely take sort of a bit of a backseat through this set, but this set was, to be fair, about Cass. It was called Cass. So, yeah, I guess that um, there's no real problem in that. And obviously this is set up as an ongoing series of box sets. It wasn't just this one set and right, lovely, we'll see you again in another two years with more Time War ideas. Uh, it's going somewhere. We know that the next set's happening. It's announced and already pre-ordered in my case, at least. Um, so yeah, be interesting to see where the Eighth Doctor's going from here. And I think this set definitely set up more questions than it gave answers to. That aside, though, um, what was your favourite story? Um, I actually quite liked uh, Vespertine. Um, I, I don't think it was a perfect story, but I, I, I think I liked it m most out of them all. I liked, you know, that sort of, you know, I, I, the characters coming across a ship that shouldn't exist. I liked that they, you know, got to come, you know, go down on board it 
investigate the mystery and find out what happened to it. Um, but I think I think the set as a whole is very strong, possibly the most consistently strong of all the Eighth Doctor Time War sets. There was no, there's there's no one episode I can point to and say that was the weak one because they're all quite good. Um, I think I I I you know throughout. I think my favorite thing about it, um, as far as the Doctor and Alex go, is you can. There, there's a great dynamic there between them, and it's not necessarily there on the page, but it's there because it's Paul McGann and his son. You know, there's a relationship there which you can hear coming through. You know, you you do get the sort of familial, you know, familiarity between the Doctor and and Alex. I, so I really like that. I really like the two of them traveling together. It's it's quite cool, um, and I like Cass as well. I think Emma Campbell Jones is great. You you can hear that she's really happy to be, to be playing Cass again. I know she had campaigned, um, you know, when in in, in interviews and and on, um, and when whenever she came in to do the the previous big finish she did with with uh, Jonathan Carley, I know she had said, you know, I've 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 seen her a few times saying she wants to do more with Paul McGann, and I like that we're getting that. I really like that. We're in the very odd situation of, for the first time ever, out of all the big finish um, that Paul McGann has done as the Eighth Doctor, this is the first one where we have him with one of his TV companions, you know, who is the same actor playing the same character. I know we've had Daphne Ashbrook in, in some of the early ones, but this is the first time that, you know, a, a, a character from the TV Eighth Doctor stories has come on, has come into the audios then. Um, you know, not counting the master, uh, who I've only just remembered in fairness, but I, I really like that. Um, and as you said, I like that there's a direction and an intent here as well. I like that there is a story arc, um, and it's not just a self-contained set, which I think the others maybe fell into a wee bit of a trap sometimes with. Um, and I like that there is, there's a, an ongoing mystery with what has happened to Bliss and what has, you know, spoiler warning now happened to Cass at the end. Um, and I'm, 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 I'm really looking forward to next year's. I actually didn't realize it was a year away and I was like, oh, oh great. I have to now wait a year to find out what happens. So yeah, I, I really, I really did like this set. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a long old wait for that next one, but, um, I'm glad that the, the eighth Doctor Time War range is kind of up and running again and. If it is to be one release a year, then so be it. That's I'm happy with that. I'm happy we're getting more. Um, Vespertine, very very good episode. Complete agree with agreement with you there. Um, it was also the sort of least, I guess, storyline linked one. Although they were all kind of strongly linked a bit to this emerging storyline. Um, but yeah, an awful lot to enjoy, and hopefully. Um, Emma Campbell-Jones will be back in the next set, kind of resolving the cliffhanger. We'll see, I guess. Um, so we will go. This is the joke you told me not to make. We will go. Oh, no, I can't listen. I have to close my ears. <laughs> we will go from cast to class. Oh, no. Oh, go on. It wasn't that bad. <laughs> it's not the worst joke we've ever had on this podcast. No, that is true. That is true. No, it, it really wasn't. Um, yeah, we got a new class release 
this month, which, um, I mean, we didn't really know where Big Finish was with class. It seems to be that half of the original cast are either unavailable or not interested or whatever reason. Uh, they'd done the four sets and they'd always said, well, we'd agreed to do four sets and then that was it, it was up and now we don't know what will happen next. And all of a sudden, kind of out of nowhere, uh, a couple of months back, they announced Secret Diary of Rhodian Prince, uh, which focuses on Charlie and uh, Mateusz. And I didn't know what to make of it, to be honest. I've not listened to any big Finnish class before. I uh, ordered this one in the assumption that I would listen to it at some point, And then somebody said, no, you are safe to listen to this one without having heard any other big Finnish class. I've seen the series, watched the series when it was on. Um, I probably enjoyed it more than it seems most people did. I think there's quite a bit of untapped potential with class, really. Um, the Secret Diary of a Rhodian Prince kind of plays out like uh, some of... I think it was very much written in the style of kind of a James Goss story. He likes to do these sort of very vignette-based stories that take place over a long time. So we've had it with River Song a couple of times. We've had it with Torchwood quite often. Um, the one that this immediately kind of reminded me of was uh, Torchwood Coffee, uh, which is told kind of from the perspective of the people that run the shop Ianto got his coffee from. Um this one's similar in the sense of that. It kind of discusses the events of the series class uh, from the perspective of Charlie in his diary. Um, and we kind of follow it through these diary entries which talk to us about sort of a few things that happen before the series starts, discusses the events of the first episode. Um, there's a mention of what's going on in the coach with the dragon tattoo there and it kind of it does this throughout the series and we get towards the end of the series and you know we get a lot about uh when quill was unconscious and pregnant and we move on a bit further kind of beyond the events of the series when all the characters are kind of a bit split and not talking to each other and everything's changed and then all of a sudden um, we have a sort of entry of this diary read by um, the Chair of Governors, the character that was uh, revealed in the final episode of the first series, only series of class. Um, and it kind of hinted that it was setting up for more. So whether Big Finish are looking at doing class series two or whether we're just going to get more single releases like this i don't know but it kind of it left me wanting more and in the past i've never felt as though i needed more class which is the reason i've not listened to the other big finish stuff um so i'm kind of glad that i haven't listened to it previously because i want more class and thankfully there is more class there so i'll um i'll definitely be visiting big finishes class in the not too distant future um and like I say, hopefully this release will be followed up on. Yeah, the 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 big finish class range as a whole, from what I've heard of it, I've heard the first three sets. I haven't heard the fourth one yet. Um, but it does. It had. I I've always thought it felt very reminiscent of their Torchwood range. Um, as far as class season two goes, I'm I'm 
very up for it. I always, again, it, I, as I said at the start, I'm a very pathetic Doctor Who fan. If you put the Autons in Torchwood, I'll be there for it. You put the Weeping Angels in class, I'll be very there for it. Um, so if that, you know, if they're if they're going to come back and, and follow up on um, the one Doctor Who element that was in class right at the very end, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be there. I'm going to get it. Um, I don't know that I'd be quite so interested in more of the same of what we've had so far um although i did think for the first two sets in particular were very were very strong overall um yeah i i, I would like i would like to hear more I, th- I think you know when something gets cancelled it's always a shame that it doesn't get to follow through what it's doing to you know any sort of conclusion um i don't like that there's a loose thread hanging there with class you know i i, I would like it to be tied off and and finished in some way um, you know, even if that's all we get is it being finished. Um, but yeah, I think it does deserve a little bit more more time to to, to continue what it was doing. Yeah, absolutely. It was it was very clearly it had plans and it was going to go somewhere. And I think it just kind of happened at a point where there was nobody there to really look after it and make sure that it continued in the way it should have done um and you know it's big finish have been very successful with following up torchwood giving us two more new series of torchwood with another one on the way so yeah i think that maybe um there's there is a future for class that perhaps i wasn't sure about before um so yeah i enjoyed it I, i i did i really did and i'm glad that we got it and i'm glad that I've finally been sort of pushed into listening to Big Finish Class. Moving on then, uh, so our, I mean, we're both agreed that this is the highlight of the month. Uh, obviously, River Song, Friend of the Family. Um, I don't really know where to start with this set, so I'm going to let you do it, Connor. Um, I'm in a slight, I'm in the same position. I don't know where to begin because it's all brilliant. You know, and there's there's a real danger here that in talking about it, it's going to tip over into me gushing, um, uncontrollably about how good it was. Um, I think it's safe to say that it has raised the bar not just for the River Song range, but for Big Finish's output as a whole. It is definitely the best thing they've done in a long time. Um, I I, I think it's. It's 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 different from some of the other river sets in that it has a an intent to do something unique and of its own. So this isn't River interacting with any other part of the Doctor Who universe. It's not River interacting with a Doctor or with Unit or with the Silence or anything. This is River River series finally standing on its own two feet. Um, which you know not not to denigrate any of the other stuff because I think you know broadly speaking the River range is quite good, but. I like that this, you know, that it, with this one, it has decided to take on an identity of its own, um, and 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 uh, you know, develop a, a a cast of really great characters over four episodes. Um, it's written entirely by Tim Foley, and I know we had talked about this, um, and you know, in the run up to to it being released, I really love that we're getting this sort of. They're doing a little bit of a, or they've done it a couple of times with the War Doctor and now with this, where we have one writer with a vision almost over four episodes or over three episodes 
over the just over an entire set getting to tell one longer form story than um big finish usually have um it's something they've done in the past and um, with the likes of dark eyes and unit dominion but we're coming back to it now and it's working really really well um and this is absolutely the standout um example so far um i i i, I think it's you know, I, I said i was going to gush here i am gushing it's, it's really really good and it's something that you're going to be able to point to in years to come for people who are just coming into Big Finish and say, there's your essential listening. You know, it absolutely deserves to sit up there alongside the classics. Um, you know, spare parts and chimes of midnight, people always say, you know, our essential listening. Friend of the family is up there. Friend of the family is absolutely something that, um, you know, you're going to be able to, to point out to people and say, there's one of the very best things that has ever been done with Doctor Who and, and the Doctor Who universe on audio. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's, I mean, it it just it's it's done something fantastic with River Song, which is perhaps something River Song has needed for a long, long time. Which is just tell a story with her getting on with her life. Um, it isn't affected by the Doctor. The Doctor's obviously mentioned. The Doctor is obviously a hugely important part of River Song's life and character, but there's no. You know, no bumping into mechanoids or canine. There's no meeting weeping angels. There's no turning up in the middle of Carnival of Monsters. It's just a river story that happens rather brilliantly. Um, and she's given a absolutely wonderful set of characters, really well-played characters to work with, keep, meeting in all kinds of orders one event in the past leads to the future it must have been a pretty difficult story to write to be honest because we've kind of got four eras told out of out of sequence um and because river's time traveling there you know something in the future affects the past and she'll pop in on one and it's just absolutely great and the whole whole idea of it is just so it's a brilliant concept to start with, and the fact that the resulting story of it is as good as it is, um, is it's just fantastic. Um, I have to admit, it did take me a little bit to kind of catch on. All right, where's this going? Then what's the? It spent a lot of time establishing all of the characters, and there are a lot of them. You know, you look at the cover and you think, "Oh, that's a lot of characters on the cover," and it is. Each of those characters is incredibly well fleshed out, is really an important part of this story. You couldn't take one away and tell it without them. Um, it's, yeah, it's it's just one of those great meetings of excellent, excellent writing, excellent performances, excellent production. And I agree, it's it's just, it's up there as one of not the best, Doctor Who related or whatever. It's one of the best big finish releases. It's one of the best things they've ever done. Um, and I really hope that it kind of, it takes the Diary of River Song in a new direction because we had had 10 very, very tied to Doctor Who sets and all of a sudden we've not. We've got this mad time travel paradox period drama and it, it works, it works so well, just kind of throwing Doctor Who conventions out the window 
and deciding to be its own unique thing is absolutely wonderful. I, I, I completely agree. Um, I like as well that it's sort of... Um, I know Rivers had a tiny little bit of a supporting cast before where maybe I think there's maybe one character has turned up in one set and he has come back in another then. But we get Hugo here as sort of Rivers' companion. Um, he's played by uh, Mark Elstob, and he's brilliant. I love that character. Um, and I love what he goes through in this as well. Um, I, I, I don't think there's much of a future there for him. I don't think there's really any potential for him to come back. Um, for Well, for him to come back. But by all means, we should have Ivy back at some stage, I think. I would love to hear, you know... Well, would I? That's the question. I was going to say I would love to hear River dropping in on, you know, these characters again because she says she's going to. She's going to keep up her relationship with this family that she has fallen in love with. But as I said, I was going to say I want more of this. I don't know that I do. I think I want more like it. But this is its own thing. It's finished. You know, maybe just leave this as it is. But I would like more in this style more of River getting her own universe and her own continuity, more you know of of the likes of these characters that she has met and can have a relationship with you know over a longer period of time. Um, I think this feels like a truer spin off than it has previously done because it is forging its own path that little bit more. It's not even that little bit more; it's forging its own path a lot more, um, and and is all the better for it. Um, it. it Definitely a 10 out of 10 set and should hopefully be an inspiration to Big Finish going forward because it's brilliant. I, you know, that's all I can say. It's brilliant. It's an absolute masterpiece. I do think that if they were to revisit uh, the Mortimers of the house or whatever, it would perhaps sort of dilute the brilliance of this. I think this particular group of characters this setting this story needs leaving alone i agree with you there but i do think that this should be sort of a launch pad for a new river era effectively um and i I really am looking forward to see how big finish follow up on this because um they've they've struck gold they've struck gold in series 11 and it's very rare for anything to hit its hit its peak in series eleven of anything, so um, yeah, I really hope that we're uh, this is sort of the first step somewhere else. Um, not to take away from the previous river stuff, it's been really enjoyable. It's worked. There have been some fantastic characters. I really enjoyed River meets different incarnations of the Master as a concept. Um, but yeah, I think what we've going, got going on here is something pretty special. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, well, that that brings us to the end of this month's big finishes, big finish releases. Um, I think it's been a great month. I really, I say this every month, but I, I really think, particularly the last two months, there's been. It has a, no. It has. It's been a. It's, it has been a really strong time for them. Yeah, there's been a really noticeable sort of leap upwards in quality and it's I've really enjoyed what I've listened to. Next month, February, is there anything in particular you're looking forward to? 
Um, yes, I'm just looking at the list here at the moment. Um, we have there's I I I I again will struggle to narrow it down. We're getting um the fourth the the, the I think I said I don't think they've announced officially any more Ninth Doctor stuff. I think this is the last of what they have announced at the moment. But from what we've seen on Twitter and I think what Christopher Eggleston has said in interviews, there's going to be a third series. Thank goodness. Um, so I'm really looking forward to hear more of the Ninth Doctor adventures. But we're getting a new era for the Third Doctor as well, um, and and a new era for Joe Jones as well, um, which I'm I'm looking forward to. It's something a little bit different from the Third Doctor adventures, um, and it's a change of format as well. We're going down to two part stories, which has worked well for the Sixth Doctor adventures, um, with with Hebe. So yeah, I think I think. Um, next month has all the makings of another excellent one absolutely um i'm also really looking forward to uh, the 11th doctor all of time and space that first set um with valerie really did have me sort of hooked straight away we've got a great new companion we've got an interesting story and i'm really looking forward to seeing where that goes as well um also, we've got a Susie Torchwood, and Susie Torchwoods are always great. So, yeah, a lot to look forward to throughout February, and I'm looking forward to us uh, visiting it in a spodcast at the end of next month. However, we have run out of time for this one, so we'll leave it there. Um, so, yeah, roll on February. Roll on February's releases. Um, but in the meantime, I will say thank you and goodbye to Connor. Thank you very much. And uh, I'll say goodbye myself. We'll catch you soon. Bye now. <laughs>